The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Radio Show, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, a recent study shows that 15% of the population, or 45 million people, will get Alzheimer's. It's a very sobering statistic. However, there is hope some new breakthroughs have shown progress in reversing the damage effects of dementia. So listen close and find out how you can help yourself or someone around you who is suffering. Plus, later we'll tell you what's going on around town. But first up, Dr. Martha Wittenberg is a board-certified family medicine physician who received her B.A. in biology from Lehigh University in Pennsylvania and her master's and doctorate at Drexel University in Philadelphia. After being in private practice for many years, Dr. Wittenberg pursued additional training in holistic and integrative medicine. She is a board certified by the American Academy of Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine and completed a fellowship in metabolic nutrition medicine through the Metabolic Medical Institute. She is passionate about helping people discover their underlying imbalances and coaching them back to wellness. Her medical interests include bioidentical hormone therapy, weight loss, adrenal health, mood disorders, detoxification, and gut health. And we welcome her to the Mother's Radio Show. Dr. Wittenberg, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kim. Thanks for being here. That is quite a mouthful and quite a background. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you for sharing all of your your research and development. Thank you. So uh, before we get to today's topic, please fill us in on your mission and all of your work. Well, um, I guess to sum it up, I would say my mission is to try to give patients the best guidance I can so that they can really optimize their health and live long, um, prosperous lives. And I started out in conventional medicine, and I began to get disheartened by the fact that nobody was getting better by just prescribing medications and finding out that people really weren't changing their lifestyle. I started to develop my own health issues. Um, I had a lot of fatigue. I developed Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and I had some other autoimmune problems. And when I looked for answers with conventional medicine, nobody really had anything to offer me. But once I started learning more about integrative medicine and following the recommendations for what my issues were, I started to get better. And so I want to share that information with patients so that they can use it to help themselves. Good for you. And I love that. Yeah, you have firsthand knowledge and Mm -hmm. you did the research and now you're sharing that with everybody else. So um, today we're talking about dementia and something near and dear to my heart. My mom has dementia. And so I'm fascinated by this. Uh, Dr. Wittenberg, what is dementia? So dementia is basically a general term for brain disorders that cause physical changes in the brain. And these lead to mental, um, decreased mental abilities. So symptoms are severe enough with dementia that they start to interfere with daily lives. They're also persistent, so they don't go away. And they're also progressive, meaning that they get worse. So symptoms may include memory loss. That's what people often think of first, but also personality changes, problems reasoning, loss of verbal skills, and motor problems like imbalance, um, eventually, people may not no longer be able to, you know, bathe themselves, dress themselves, talk, walk, and they will require full-time care. What is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? 
So dementia is the general term, and Alzheimer's is the name for the most common type of dementia. So Alzheimer's accounts for 60 to 80 percent of all dementia cases. Um, and memory loss is usually an early indicator of Alzheimer's. Um, the fact that there are 300 million people in the United States and it's estimated that 15% or about 45 million people who are living in the U.S. today will get Alzheimer's is a big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, they say everybody knows a cancer survivor. Nobody knows an Alzheimer's survivor. Mm-hmm. So it's traditionally been a death sentence. Mm-hmm. And so it's serious that it's such a prevalent uh, cause of, of disease in this country. Boy, that's such, if you really stop and you just think about what you said, it really just, it just breaks your heart. It does. There is no cure at this moment in time and and everybody is affected. Mm -hmm. Um, Is the prevalence of Alzheimer's, it's increasing just, just from what you just said, there is no cure and we all know somebody. Uh, So talk to me a little bit about that and just really what you just said about your background, um, not necessarily your background about Alzheimer's, but just how you have um, a background from traditional medicine and you didn't find anything from just um, um, handing out medicine and you wanted to cure your own self. So Mm -hmm. from your own background personally, what can you tell me about the prevalence of Alzheimer's increasing and how you want to affect change? Okay. So, I mean, I think the prevalence of Alzheimer's is increasing. I mean, there are many reasons. One is lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So um, diet can be very inflammatory. This can contribute to Alzheimer's. Um, People cannot be getting enough nutrients because of their diet, which can also contribute to Alzheimer's. Or they may not have the hormones they need to help improve their brain health. Um, Also, we have a lot of toxins in our environment. There are something like 85,000 chemicals released into our environment every year. And so a type of Alzheimer's is associated with toxic exposure as well. So just knowing uh, what your risks are and what your exposures are and minimizing these and optimizing a healthy lifestyle will do a lot for decreasing uh, Alzheimer's disease. Um, What are the causes of Alzheimer's? You just touched a little bit on your lifestyle and your diet. What What else could be the cause? Well, I mean, the simplest explanation is there's an imbalance between the cells that regenerate uh, brain neurons and the cells that break them down. And researchers are still trying to figure out what are all the components that make that happen. You know, like all chronic diseases, it's complicated and it's not the same for everybody. Uh, but there are three main triggers, they think, for Alzheimer's. One is inflammation. Uh, two is lack of nutrients or trophic factors. And trophic factors are basically um, cells that support the growth and survival of cells. So they can be growth factors um, in the brain or they can be hormones. Uh, and then the third uh underlying cause of Alzheimer's could be toxins. And the toxins, I mean, we're, they're everywhere, right? So what, I mean, is there, is there more? Oh, okay. I mean, you can go on. Where do you start? Where do you start? I mean, so for toxins, you know, I mean, following an organic diet Mm -hmm. is one thing. Filtering your water, decreasing your intake of fish that contains mercury, Mm -hmm. um, getting appropriate exercise to help your brain clear out plaque, you know, getting adequate sleep, you know, these are all things. But if you, the first step is knowing what you're being exposed to and minimizing your exposure. 
and then leading a healthy lifestyle so that you can optimize your body's ability to metabolize and excrete whatever toxins you have come into contact with. Is there more than one type of Alzheimer's? Yeah, so now they think there are actually six types. Mm. So that is the first step at looking at a person with Alzheimer's is figuring out what type of Alzheimer's they have. So type one, two, and three are basically what I just discussed. The first is inflammatory. The second has to do with uh, lack of nutrients. The third has to do with toxins. Um, type four, they actually call type 1.5 because it has some components of inflammation and lack of nutrients. And uh, this is uh, associated with diabetes. So people don't realize that having diabetes actually increases their risk for Alzheimer's two to 5%. Mm. So that's the fourth type. There's also a type that's associated with vascular problems, so decreased blood flow to the brain. And then the final type is traumatic. So that's what you see you know, with the NFL players or people who have had repeated concussions or head injuries over time. And they put that under the uh, Alzheimer's umbrella. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So, oh, that's, wow, I hadn't heard about that. What symptoms uh, do people typically experience to, to all of a sudden be diagnosed with Alzheimer's? Okay, <clears throat> well, Alzheimer's takes a long time to develop, so they now know that plaques that deposit in the brains of Alzheimer's patients start to form 20 years before they're diagnosed. So before somebody has Alzheimer's, they might have just subjective cognitive impairment. That means they're starting to notice that things aren't working the way they used to. But if they go to the doctor and get tests done, everything still looks normal. That starts first, followed by mild cognitive impairment. So that's when you're starting to really feel like there's an issue, you go to the doctor and you may not do as well on some of the cognitive tests, but you can still function and you can still live your normal life. And then after that comes the early Alzheimer's stage. So initially may, people may begin with having difficulty remembering conversations or names and then have difficulty remembering which tasks to do. And then it just starts to progress more and more where it's interfering more with their life and other people are starting to notice. Because I'm seeing this along with my mom and I've been going to all of her doctor's appointments. So exactly, I see what, what you're talking about with the subjective cognitive and the mild cognitive. At which point do we see there's no turning back? And at what point can we do for medication or uh, organic? What do we do to help at this okay. point? So... Well, it depends from which viewpoint you're coming from. If you're coming from a viewpoint of conventional medicine, you start intervening when there's mild cognitive impairment or early Alzheimer's. And that's when one class of drugs is typically prescribed. Uh, further down the line, when people develop more moderate Alzheimer's, that's when a second class of drugs is typically prescribed. And basically, that's all that's done for people mm -hmm. who have Alzheimer's, unless you know they do some physical therapy or some extra work to help them somehow with their function. And it's typically like um, Aricept or something for the... the <coughs> exactly. So so Aricept increases acetylcholine in the brain, and this is important to memory. And then the second class of drugs decreases glutamate in the brain. So glutamate is a important um, neurotransmitter. Uh, people with Alzheimer's have too much of it. And when you have too much glutamate, you also have too much calcium entering your cells, and that can damage them. Mm -hmm. So the second class of medicine tries to decrease the glutamate. But um, the problem with these drugs are they each are only targeting one thing, 
where there could be 30 things going on in the brain of somebody who has Alzheimer's. So a single therapy is never going to be effective. Mm. This is very interesting information, and um, there's plenty more to come with Dr. Wittenberg, so please stay with us. We'll be right back. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high-quality, great-tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with Her Life Stages. The first of its kind, comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. And welcome back to the Mother's Market Radio Show. And we want to remind you that if you've missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for radio and listen to the past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with Dr. Wittenberg. And we're talking about dementia, and this is fascinating information um, we were talking about this, and of course, I have a, a personal interest in this because my mom has dementia. Um, doctor, we were just talking about drug treatments, treatments, and my mom is on uh, Aricept. You were just mentioning the next drug phase. Um, what other drug treatments are there for Alzheimer's, and do they work? So the other um, class of drugs besides the one that, that Aricept is in um, decreases glutamate in the brain, which I mentioned um, that that an example of that drug would be Namenda, which is the brand name for Mamantine. And that I believe is the only one in that class that's approved in the United States. Um, these medications can improve symptoms temporarily, but they've never been shown to change the progression or the eventual outcome. And, and I think the reason why you were saying that is because there are so many symptoms happening and they really just target one. Right. So yeah, you could have multiple imbalances in your brain or multiple things that are triggering the production of amyloid plaque and just, you know, increasing acetylcholine and decreasing glutamate is not going to fix the problem. So if someone carries the gene for Alzheimer's, what is the likelihood that we might get it? So there are a few genes that have been associated with Alzheimer's, but the most common one that people ask me about is the APOE gene. So, um, this gene has three different forms. People can either carry E2, E3, or E4. E4 is the form that has been associated with Alzheimer's. So if somebody carries zero copies of the E4 gene, their lifetime risk is approximately 9% for getting Alzheimer's. Someone with one copy has up to a 30% lifetime risk, and somebody who carries both copies of the E4 gene has 50 to 90% increased risk and, throughout uh, their lifetime. Wow. How, um, how do you go about going through that test to find out? Uh, there are, you could actually order it through regular labs, such as LabCorp. So it's something that someone who has a family history could ask their doctor to get that checked for them. Now, um, 
if somebody does have two copies, that doesn't mean they're definitely going to get it. We know now that there are things that you can do with lifestyle that will lower the risk. So genes don't have to be your destiny. You can actually override your genes with your lifestyle. Oh, that's where I'm interested in finding out. Let's find out. <laughs> right? Yes. How do we do that? <laughs> Let's all find out. Yes. Yes. How do we override our genes to not be destined to? Well, it all depends on what your issues are. So anybody with a family history or anybody who carries the ApoE4 gene or anybody who is starting to experience what they feel is subjective cognitive impairment should have what Dr. Dale Bredesen calls a cognoscopy. So this usually or optimally should take place in the 40s, maybe early 50s, but 40s if, you're, if you have a family history or carry ApoE4. And what this involves would be a physical exam, some cognitive tests, and extensive blood work. So there are a lot of inflammatory markers or tests for infections or um, tests for toxic exposures that can be done to make sure that you are not carrying any of these risks. And so uh, that is this particular test is called the APOE4 exam. Or it's what called would we ask the APOE e gene. So the APOE gene. And if we were to go into our physician, we would ask for that. Right. Say, can you check me for APOE4 okay. and get an APOE gene test? Okay. I'm going. I'm going to, that's the first thing I'm going to, that's the first call I'm making <laughs> yeah. on Monday. Oh my goodness. And then um, if people are also concerned because of family history or because they carry the gene, uh, they could also do some imaging. So a lot of times when people are checked for Alzheimer's, they will just get a basic MRI and it can just be normal. But if you're concerned about memory loss, an MRI with what they call volumetrics would be important. And this basically measures different parts of the brain that are important to memory. And they can see if areas such as a hippocampus are smaller than they should be for your age. Mm. Um, other testing would include a PET scan. So this looks at your glucose uptake in the brain. And when somebody has Alzheimer's, they may have decreased uptake in certain areas of their brain as well. And then finally, you can actually do scans to see if you have amyloid plaque in your brain. So not everybody needs all those tests, but if you're somebody with a family history or you're starting to experience uh, mild cognitive or just subjective cognitive impairment, getting an MRI with the volumetrics would be a good starting place. This is great information. Um, and then again, you were saying lifestyle. So we make the lifestyle changes. We make mm -hmm. sure we're exercising, that mm -hmm. we're eating clean, organic. Right. So basically, I, I learned this mnemonic from Dr. Rudolf Tanzi. He's a professor of neurology at Harvard, and he's also the director of the Alzheimer's Genome Product Project. Excuse me. His mnemonic is for the word SHIELD. So in that mnemonic, S stands for sleep. So seven to eight hours of sleep is optimal, and you want it to be a restorative sleep. If you're waking up a lot in the middle of the night, that's not restorative sleep. For those people, we may recommend a little melatonin, which is actually an excellent brain antioxidant, or tryptophan. Uh, if they still can't sleep, we talk about hygiene. Well, are you watching your iPad before you go to bed? If you are, maybe you should limit that, or at least you can put a blue light blocker on your electronics. Uh, when, you're, when your eyes look at that blue light, it tricks your brain into thinking it's daylight so you don't make melatonin. Mm. So we talk about hygiene and things like that. If somebody um, snores and wakes up not well-rested, I would recommend getting screened for obstructive sleep apnea because you'll never get restorative sleep if you have untreated sleep apnea. 
Uh, and then beyond sleep, um, the H in the mnemonic stands for handle. So that speaks to managing stress, whether it's spending time deep breathing, getting a massage, taking a bath, uh, doing yoga, whatever it means to you to relax. That's important to make time for every day. Uh, the I stands for interact. So this just refers to the fact that people do better when they socialize. We're human social beings. And, and when people are isolated or lonely, uh, they don't do as well overall. And then E is the exercise. So there are certain recommendations, you know, for for adults, they should try to get at least 30 minutes most days of the week, five or six days of the week. And, and again, when you exercise, you can actually help clean amyloid out from your brain. So that's really important. Um, the L in the mnemonic stands for learn, and that talks about brain training. So staying active with the job or, you, you know, just um, reading a lot, that's all great. Doing crossword puzzles, that's great. But they actually have uh, certain programs now that are s specifically designed to help uh, improve cognition. So Brain HQ is one of those that we recommend because it has 30 years of research behind it. And actually, the man who developed it is Michael Mersnick. And he's actually also the researcher who developed the cochlear implant. Mm. So, so doing some brain training every day can help people as well. And then the final letter of SHIELD is D for diet. So anti-inflammatory diets like Mediterranean diets are best with limited gluten or dairy, just because those tend to create more inflammation in the body. Um, paleo diets are okay because they eliminate wheat and dairy. However, they're very meat focused and meat tends to create more inflammation. It has a lot of omega-6 fatty acids. Mm. So um, a paleo type diet that, that um, emphasizes more fish would be better uh, because fish has the omega-3 fatty acids in it. And then uh, ketogenic diets have actually been used a lot with people who have cognitive decline. And they've found that people with cognitive decline respond well to that type of diet. So that's a diet that's very low in carbs, much higher in healthy fats, and helps with uh, brain function. Wow, that is fascinating. And tell me once again, it's Rudolph Tansy. Oh, Tansy, T-A-N-Z-I. Tansy. And that is uh, what all of what you just mentioned for sleep, uh, handle, interact, exercise, learn, and diet stands for shield. Yes. So um, that's great information. Um, wow. Uh, supplements, what do you recommend to help improve brain function? So it, it definitely depends what the underlying issue is. So if inflammation is the issue, um, we might re recommend things like omega-3 fatty acids those are found in fish, but you know, often you would have to eat a lot of fish to get enough. Um, we also look at, on blood work, what's the ratio of somebody's omega-6 to omega-3 ratio? Um, optimally, it would be one-to-one, -one, but for most people, it's 16-to-one. So we want to try to raise the omega-3 fatty acids um, and get a high-quality fatty acid that's really potent uh, instead of a generic fish oil from, you know, a large retail chain. You want to, that's one supplement you definitely want to spend the money on mm -hmm. uh, because quality does matter when it comes to omega-3 fatty acids. Um, other things include probiotics, optimizing vitamin D, uh, N-acetylcysteine, which is an amino acid, is very good for lowering inflammation. It also helps with liver health. Uh, same thing with alpha-lipoic acid. Mm -hmm. 
both of those help regenerate glutathione, and glutathione is our body's most potent antioxidant, so it's great for brain health. Um, and niacinamide, which is B3, are all really great for lowering inflammation. Oh, and my favorite, one of my favorites in terms of botanicals is curcumin. Mm. So curcumin and, and ginger are great no matter what type of inflammation somebody has. And then if blood sugar is an issue, alpha-lipoic acid is also good for that. Um, CoQ10, I think you mentioned, or somebody mentioned that their parent was taking CoQ10. That's great to help with blood sugar regulation. Chromium is as well, and magnesium. Mm. Uh, I think everybody should be on magnesium. It has over 300 functions in the body. And oh. mo I think it's about 68% of people in the United States are deficient in it. In magnesium. Mm -hmm. um, what about uh, natural therapies to help cognitive function? So um, natural therapies would be some of the supplements that we recommend. We also do hormone replacement therapy because of the link with estradiol and decreased risk of Alzheimer's. Um, we do some IV nutrient therapy as well to optimize people's nutritional status. So those are some natural things that we offer here. What, what we recommend really depends on the individual. You know, what, what is their reason that they're having cognitive decline and that will tailor what we recommend. And what else can people do to help protect their brain function? So some of the things we already talked about, like limiting stress, getting enough sleep, exercise, those are all key. Um, diet, obviously. Um, there are also prescription medications that can worsen cognitive function, so it would be important for people to be aware if they're on one of those medications. Uh, for instance, some cholesterol medication called statins mm. have been linked with cognitive decline. Mm. So, you know, if somebody's taking those, they may want to talk to their doctor about, do I really need to be on this medication? Uh, just last May, a new study came out that showed in people over 65 taking statins just for cholesterol reduction who don't have pre-existing heart disease, right? So this is just preventative, had no benefit from mm -hmm. statins, and they might have even made them worse. Oh, my <clears throat> goodness. Wow. So knowing, you know, knowing if you really need to be on a medication and going to your doctor and reviewing, that's important. Antihistamines have also been shown to be linked with cognitive decline, and those are very common. Yeah. A lot of people take those. So our approach is more, let's try to, you know, lower your inflammation more natural ways with things like vitamin C and quercetin and bromelain. Mm. That's really great information. And you're right, people maybe take them too much or abuse them, mm -hmm. not or knowing. they just keep taking them and they don't think, they do don't. I really still need to be on this? Right. That's a good point. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, I get to the last, last question I would say is, is there a way to reverse cognitive decline? So actually there is, and it's really exciting. So for the first time ever, there's been some success at reversing cognitive decline. So this um, is from a protocol that was developed by Dale Bredesen, who's a medical doctor from UCLA. He now runs the Buck Institute in Northern California. And he actually recently wrote a book called The End of Alzheimer's that discusses his protocol. Um, but overall, you know, all of his patients collectively have, um, he's found at least a 50% success rate at reversing cognitive decline. Wow. And so we've been trying to incorporate that and now put together a program that we can offer at our office uh, and combine that with our hormone therapy and our IV nutritional therapy you know, to optimize the success.
And so it's in here, Dale Bredesen's, mm-hmm. but within yours as well. Oh, my goodness. Uh, doctor, this has been fascinating information. Thank you so much. Uh, we can look forward to having you on again. But in the meantime... Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Uh, we look forward to having you. Um, Dr. Wittenberg, uh, you can check your website, iprogressivemed.com, and learn more about doctor's per, uh, passion for alternative medicine and the other great things she's involved with. Thank you again for your visit. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market Radio Show and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mothers recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.